You're listening to Diverse City Podcast. Please stay tuned to hear a powerful word. For giving or more church information, check us out at diversecity.church. Or to text to give, text DIVERSE to 73256. Thank you for listening and enjoy the word. Lord, we could have taken the easy route and stayed at home and did the online thing or actually sleep in. But today, we come with expectation. We come to lift you up. We come to give you worship today. And I thank you, Lord, for you said, call unto me, and you will answer us, and you will show us great and mighty things. So, Lord, right now, we just surrender the service to you. Lord, I pray that you just use me as a vessel to be able to encourage, to be able to edify, and to be able to equip your body. And all that agree, say amen and amen. Thank you, praise and worship team. All right. If you could, let's, it's 1126. We are doing good on time. Uh, We're actually going to do the table. Yep. You can put it back a little bit, actually. Go ahead and find Luke chapter 11. We're going to read verse 1 and 2. Um, We're going to read from the New King James Version to get us started. I'll give you a few moments, but just as the custom of diverse city, we like to honor and reverence the Word of God. So when you find it, go ahead and stand to your feet. We'll read these two verses, or if you don't have your Bible or don't have a phone, we're bringing it right to you, um, version and everything, okay? If you got it, say, I got it. Okay, that was about 74%. There's grace in this place, so we'll give you 30 more seconds. Luke chapter 11, and we're going to read verse 1 and 2. Sure, I'll take it. Thank you, ma'am. All right, saints, one, two, three, let's read. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And John also taught his disciples. Verse number two, so he said to them, or, okay, we're good. Yeah, so he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Before you sit down, don't get too close. Make sure you have appropriate space between each other, but just say, I am excited to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. All right. And I guess we should uh, address our virtual audience. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for being with us. Let's go ahead and get ready. If you're online, I want to see some hundreds, some praying hands in the comments. And for those that are here, I'm excited that you're in the place. So, as we know, the last 10 weeks, um, well, the last nine weeks, we have been doing a study on prayer. If you've enjoyed it, give me a clap, give me a shout, give me something. 
And we do have about four or five um, newcomers today, so let me just kind of give some context so everyone knows what's going on. We've been focusing on the various types of prayer in the Bible. Um, it's some, but not limited to, we talked about the prayer of communion, that God wants to kick it with you, that he wants to hear from you all of the time. He doesn't want you to be, he doesn't want to be a last resort, but he wants to be the first response. He wants you to talk to him in the morning, in the evening, and at lunchtime, that it doesn't have to just be something we do religiously, but God wants us to be able to have relationship. Say relationship. <laughs> and then uh, for the last eight weeks, we discuss other types of prayer, the prayer of petition, when we make our requests known to God. We talked about the prayer of intercession, when we're praying for other people, that some prayers shouldn't be all about what I need, what I want, but being willing and being obedient to pray for other people. Then last week, we talked about the prayer of agreement, how the Bible talks about where two or three are gathered in my name. There I will be in the midst of it. That's what the purpose of us reopening the church. There's something different about just being at home, sitting on the couch, watching on YouTube, watching on Facebook. But it's something about being in the presence of God. You come in frustrated, but then you just got a feeling. You can't describe it. It's uncontrollable. That is the power and presence of God. When we come with commitment, when we come with unity, God answers and then one week we talked about prayer blockers. So what are the things that are blocking you in your own personal walk, your own personal relationship with God? So as we set the stage today, God kind of reminded me as we look at Father's Day that we have prayer blockers that enables, that prevents us from seeing God from the right view. The Bible talks about in Luke chapter 2, and it's still up there. It says, our Father, not in earth, but in heaven. See, here's the first question. When you think of the term Father, what comes to your mind? When you think of the term Father, what comes to your mind? Is it provider? Is it available? Is it someone that's a leader? When you think about father, do you think about hero? Those are some of the positive attributes, but what about some of the negative ones? Absent, abusive, someone that manipulates. All of these things, we've all had different experiences of a father figure in our life. And if we can be honest, it creates unconscious, it creates implicit bias. When we hear our Father that is in heaven, we have to sit there and pause and say, hey, is he going to be like my natural father? Is he going to be unreasonable? Is he going to miss my graduation? Is he going to be available if I really, really need him? And what happens is that we impose and we take our hurt, we take our emotion, we take our feelings, and this misconception keeps us disconnected from experiencing the power and the presence of God through prayer. I know nobody wants to raise their hand, but I have had challenges. I have had struggles with my relationship with God due to my natural experiences. Yeah. 
whether it was through mentorship, whether it's through an employer that I looked to, to, to a father figure. And while my dad is not perfect, we had challenges, and some of it was my fault. And some of it, not much, but it was his fault. And then what happens if we give our life with Christ, we take all of that baggage and we start carrying to our prayer life. And we're afraid to pray for requests. And we're afraid to pray a prayer of petition because of a negative experience. But this is not just the, you know, beat up Father's Day. I'm so proud of all of the awesome men in the house. Give it up for them again. But at the same time, we do have to deal with the reality we do have to deal with some of the statistics, some of the facts that are going on. If you can bring that up, statistics, I'm not going to read them all, but all of these things, take a quick look at the screen, are facts that are happening because of fatherless homes. Statistics show right now that there are 27 million homes without a father. Look at all of these, all of these above 60% because of fatherless homes. And what about the ones that are actually there, but they're not a father, but they're actually a dad? It's affecting high school substance, high school rates, runaways, suicides, all of these things that continue to build up and affect our walk with Christ. So when we think about Father's Day, when we think about the last 10 weeks, I would argue that many of us have had a moment, and you was like, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't like it. Or you maybe have said, is this even real? Is my serving in Christ in vain? We've had a moment. And what the Bible, what God told me to do, he said, go to Psalms. Look at a passage of a brother, a guy that rolled with David. His name is Asphur. Say Asphur. Let's look at Psalms chapter 73. And I believe today this is going to minister to your heart and to be able to help you and to unlock and release a new level and a new dimension in prayer. Amen. So Psalm 73, we are actually going to read from the message Bible because this just kicks it plain that everybody in here will understand what he's talking about. Again, this is Psalm 73. This is not a Psalms of David. Sometimes we read the book of Psalms and we think David wrote all 150. He wrote a a good portion of them, but Asphor wrote this one. He wrote 11 of the Psalms. Moses actually wrote a few. Just study, do some research. Normally we try to attribute everything to David, but this is from a man, Asphor. So here it is. Check this out. Verse number one. No doubt about it. God is good. Good to good people. Good to the good at heart. Verse number two. But I nearly missed it. Missed seeing his goodness. So I'm just setting the stage. He's getting ready to do on the rant. He's about to go on the rant. He's about to go off. He's about to lose his mind up in here, up in here. But he sets the stage and say, but, hey, no doubt about it, God is good. But I went through a season in my life that I nearly went off. I was nearly led by the flesh. 
I nearly slapped him and paid for repentance later. No doubt about it, God is good, good to good people, but I nearly missed it. For many of us, the last 10 weeks, it's been tough. Raise your hand if it's been tough to you. Oh, okay, okay, okay. There's a few people that are prospering in the pandemic, but there are others, whether it's through your family, whether it's through your bank account, whether it's through your job, and you know that God is good, but you almost missed it. And see what happens when we missed it? When we start focusing on the now and forgetting the focusing of the totality of God, we lose our confidence and we lose our faith. Verse number three, look what he does in verse number three. He says, I was looking the other way. I was looking the other way. Looking up to the people at the top. Mark Zuckerberg, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Jeff Basil. I'm looking at the top, and I feel like I'm at the bottom. Envying the wicked who have made it, who have nothing to worry about. Not a care in the whole wide world. So what do we see here? We see a man that's jacked up. The guy asked for it. I wish I could tell you he's a guy that's rolling with David. He is a praise and worship leader. He was with David during the time when they carried the Ark of the Covenant back to the Lord. He was a prophet. He was a seer. And you would expect that a Christian that's born again, that has experienced God's goodness, when the armies were three times the size and God delivered him, and he is having a moment. And if he can have a moment, you can have a moment. Look to your neighbor and say, not me, though. All right. This is a leader. Stay with me. This is a leader. He's going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. He is tripping. I'm looking at the people in the whole wide world. His head is not in a good place. He's tripping. Because when your head is not right, check this out. The way you think determines the way you feel. And the way you feel determines the way you act. The way you think determines the way you feel. And the way you feel determines the way you act. Can I get a witness in the house of the Lord? His thinking is off. Sometimes we try to deal with the actions and we're trying to figure out why do you keep repeating? Why do you keep falling again? Why do you keep struggling? And that's just the band-aid, the way they're acting because their emotions are jacked up, but it really starts in the mind. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 that we have to be renewed in, my, in your mind. When you get deliverance, when you get breakthrough, you got to come out head first, not actions, not your heart. If your mind is not right, if you see God as your earthly father, if you see him as the person that was not there, if you see him as the person that would be inconsistent, undependable, it's going to eventually lead to your feelings. It's going to eventually lead to your actions. And you're trying to figure out, how did I get here? What's going on? Why am I struggling? It's because your feelings and your actions are not the issue. It is your mind. So Asphalt goes on. Y'all with me? We still there. Asphalt goes on. We don't even have enough time for the next eight verses just ripping off. I can't believe 
the wicked are being successful. I can't believe how they gave me a $1,200 check, and there's been billionaires putting money in the stock market, making 40% in two weeks. I can't believe. I thought God was with me. I thought God was for me. I thought God was on my side, and I'm tired of seeing those that don't serve you be successful, be prosperous. When is it my time? To the point where he gets to verse number 11, and I almost fell out my chair when I read this. Pull this up real quick. Check this out. He said, what's going on here? Is God out to lunch? Aren't you a God that never slumbers or sleep? Aren't you a God that's with me from the beginning and the end? He's out to lunch. Is he resting when I need him to come through? Is God out to lunch? He's not tending to the store. The wicked get by with everything. They've made piling up of riches. I've been stupid to play by the rules. What has it gotten me? See, you haven't prayed unless you had one of those moments and just said, God, I'm just going to keep it real. I ain't got time for King James. I ain't got time for no New Living Translation. I'm going to keep it 100. I'm going to keep it St. Louis. What do y'all say? Up in her is bad over her. Whatever. Are you out to lunch? Do you not see what I'm going through? Why aren't you answering my prayers? Y'all ain't ready. I told you. I'm so excited to be in the house of the Lord. But here it is, as we talked about the mind, as we talked about this double pandemic that we're dealing with, what do we see here? I see trauma. Something that we don't like to talk about in church, right? We just want to lay hands on people and just say, you know, throw your dollar and holler and everything's going to be okay. And there is trauma going on. This is a prayer. This is like Angie just tripping and just taking her Bible and just ripping it up and say, I quit. I don't care about it. There's trauma going on here. And there are people you may not have identified it because it's just your actions and your heart, but in your mind, There's trauma from a big T standpoint where something actually happened to you or something that you've actually experienced. But nobody likes to talk about the little T of trauma. So what is trauma? Trauma is anything that changes the way you see God, you see yourself, or the world for the worst. What are the things in the last 10 weeks Now you see God differently. You see yourself differently. You see others differently. You were cool with them. Now you're looking at them sideways. Or you see the world differently. This is called community drama. We see the outcry. We know what's the pink elephant in the middle of the room. And it's changing our views. There are people that are scared to go running outside. There are people that are terrified based on their experience because of trauma. And they're saying, God, are you at lunch? And so when it comes for us to open up the sanctuary of God, it is because here's a responsibility for all of us today to be sensitive and to act and participate in the ministry of presence. Say ministry of presence. Ministry of presence means I don't have the answer. Ministry of presence means I'm just not going to quote the Bible. Ministry of presence is just saying, hey, I'm here for you. Let it out. 
you're entitled, you've been rolling with God for two years or two months or 20 years, have a moment. Get it off your chest. I'm not going to judge you. Let this church be a soft place for people to land. What does that look like? That means you can belong before you believe. You can come as you are, but you won't stay as you are. That is the ministry of presence. Are we cultivating a ministry like that? Are we judging people because of their skin, what they wear, what they can't quote? And sometimes you just got to get it off your chest. Ministry of presence. How do we help to carry each other's burdens? How can we help to love our neighbor as ourselves? You don't need a degree. You don't need to go to seminary school. You don't have to be a minister. But can you stand with me in the middle of my drama? Can you stand with me while I'm having a moment. I still love God, but I'm having a moment. I still love God. I still want to serve him. I'm still paying my tithes, but I'm having a moment. Ministry of presence. Love your neighbor as yourself, John 13, 34. Then he goes on. Here, see, here's the thing. We are responsible for doing ministry of presence, but what really gets me excited is what Jesus has done for us. Pull up this uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Check this out. We got to just transition real quick. This is Jesus talking about being a high priest. And he says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in some ways. No every way, just as we are yet, and he did not sin. The Bible says you can be angry and sin not. So this is Jesus saying, I came here. I know what you're going through. I know what you've experienced. And you will get to the other side when your mind is right, when you keep your focus on me, when you put me first. Listen, God loves you so much. Y'all ready for this? Check this out. God loves you so much that God left himself to come to earth so he, to come to earth in place of himself so he can win you to himself and he did it through himself. I'm going to say that again for the slow people. God left himself to come to the earth in place of himself so he can win you to himself and he did it through himself, all by himself. And he didn't need nobody else. God loves you so much that he knew the situation that you would be in. God loves you so much. He knew the challenges that we're going to do. He knew he couldn't use a man. He knew he couldn't use Asphalt. He knew he couldn't use David. He said, I'll do it by myself. I will leave the throne. I will come through the hypostatic union, being birthed by the Holy Spirit, being birthed by Mary, to come here, to live 33 and a half years without sin, to die on the cross, to be able to come and say, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. You can have your moment, but when you get on the other side of this, you're going to see my glory. You're going to see my grace. You're going to see my mercy because I'm not like your natural father. I'm not keeping score. I'm not keeping payroll. You don't owe dues to me, but accept my grace. I come with open arms. I don't care if you had a prodigal son a moment. I am here for you. Is that good news? 
We're a little quiet today. I know it's a little warm, but we're going to be okay. So Mark chapter 14, verse 36, there are many attributes that talks about who God is, what the things that he's been able to do for us and his role. We know him as omnipotent. We know he's a God of love. We know he's a God of grace. We know he's that he's holy. But the one that I really like on his Father's Day, on Mark chapter 14, verse 33, and he said, this is Jesus talking. He said, Abba, Father, this is Jesus in the middle of Gethsemane, his hardest time of his life. He doesn't call for the way maker. He doesn't call for the provider. He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I trust you with my plans. I trust you with my purpose. I trust you with my destiny. Abba, when you study that in the Aramaic, it means affection. It means confidence. It means trust. And if you look at the root of it, it means to have an intimate relationship with him. So when he calls out Abba Father, he's talking about all of the things that I know you can do But I thank you, Lord, that you'll never leave me or forsake me. I thank you, Lord, if you don't deliver me from it, that means you're going to strengthen me in it. I thank you, Lord, that when I'm in trouble, that you'll provide a way of escape because you are my Abba Father. He is a redeemer of sins. We are joint heirs with Christ. We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. We're the royal and chosen priesthood. That is your covenant. That is your promise. I don't care how good. I don't care how bad you are. If you receive the blood of Jesus, you have been grafted in to a new destiny and a new dimension. Back to Asva. Y'all still there? Give me two claps. As for chapter 16, when I got this verse, this is I said, oh, this is perfect. And it says, go to the next one real quick. Verse number 16. Still, when I tried to figure it out, all I got, uh-oh, was a splitting headache. And that's not an edited version. Dot, dot, dot. That means you fill in the blanks. Whatever your dot, dot, dot is, you know what it is. Nobody ain't telling nobody. This is the message version. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I saw the whole picture. There are people today came in confused, came in lost, came in depressed, and you came in with a splitting headache, and I release purpose. I release destiny. I release vision in the house until you came into the sanctuary of God because atmosphere and environment matters. Take a fish out of water. What good is it? Take a bird and ground it and they can't and snip off their wings. What good is it? Environment and atmosphere matters. Yes, those that are online, I'm revoking your membership. Bedside Assembly, your 10-week membership, come back. The chosen frozen that are sitting on their couch, come back. The first, third watching, 
Washington Baptist to the Second Assembly, North Point Church of St. Louis. Come back! Wherever you are, whatever your address is, atmosphere and environment matters. Because sometimes when our heart, when our head is jacked up, explanation, we want an explanation. We want to be able to connect the dots. Explanation doesn't bring comfort, but the presence of God makes all things better. So why do we come to church? Why do we need our Heavenly Father? Going to bring this next one up real quick. I love my church because the Father gives me comfort. There are some people that came in seeking for happiness. God has joy in this place. He is willing to bring comfort to you. There is a peace that passes all understanding. Your situation didn't change, but God changed you because he came in the middle of your situation. Comfort. I love church because, hold your purse, of correction. I'm going to pause for effect. Correction. Correction. Nope. Correction. Not compensation. Correction. Not comfortability. Correction. Correction. Immature people don't like correction. Maturity pe- mature people crave correction. I want to go to the next level. Tell me what I did wrong. How can I get better? Help me exceed to go to the next level. Can you receive correction? See, that takes something different. That takes a relationship. There are so many things I like to help. I like to correct people, but I keep my mouth closed because everybody's not ready for it. We know what you said. We know what you want. And you want comfort. But if you want to grow, if you want to go to the next level, you don't go to the next level. You grow to the next level. It's going to take some correction. It's going to take some accountability. And last but not least, I love my church because the Father gives me clarity. There are people in here that has walked in the house of God blind, and he is going to give you clarity as we pursue him and see him as our Abba Father. As we begin to pray in Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 11, verse 1, teach us how to pray. First thing Jesus says, our Father in heaven, when you get your perspective right, there is clarity available. What should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? And you've been wrestling and vacillating between that for the last 10 weeks, there is clarity. There are specific instructions as you call out to him. I love my church because he gives me comfort, correction, and clarity. What do you need? What do you need God to be able to show you? What do you need God to be able to deliver for you in this moment? Praise team going to come up here. Let me read this real quick. As we see, Asphalt sets the stage right and says, let me just get this straight. God is good. And for 20 verses, he had a moment. He began to pour out his heart to God. He began to say, Lord, I need help. And there are people here that are being blocked in your prayers and you're afraid to pray prayers of petition. You're afraid to see if God can do more of your life because you're judging yourself and you're giving yourself a splitting headache. But then in verse number 21, Asphalt gets it right. 
And look how he started with all of this drama, hating on the wicked, being frustrated with what other people are doing. And verse number 21 says, when I was beloved and bitter, totally consumed by envy, I was totally ignorant. I was dumb as an ox in your very presence. So he took the attention off of what God was not doing, and he said, you know what? I need to check myself before I wreck myself. I was the one tripping. I was the one ignorant. I forgot that God does not control my past. He doesn't just hold my present, but he does have my future in his hand. Go to verse number 23. It says, however, I'm still in your presence. But you have taken my hand. You wisely and tenderly led me. And I love this part. And then you blessed me. So what do you see? If you're looking for comfort, if you're looking for clarity, if you're looking for correction, go ahead and say what you need to say. Keep it real. Keep it 100. But then you need to have some reflection, some self-assessment and say, you know what? Some of this stuff is because I didn't prepare for a pandemic. Some of this stuff because I was living a good life and I thought 2020 was going to be off the chain and I was hitting it hard for two months. And then in March, we ran into a situation. Living right will eventually pay off. Y'all need to say that. Living right will eventually pay off. Say it again. I don't think y'all believe it. Living right will eventually pay off. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do it every day. And in my last two verses of this chapter, in verse number 27, it says, look, those who left you are falling apart. Deserters, they will never be heard from again. Then in verse number 28, but in your very presence of God, oh, how refreshing it is. Anybody else has that testimony? It's something about coming to church. It's something about seeing my brother and sister. It's something about not visualizing, looking at people, but to actually see people. I see testimonies. I see victories. I see overcomers. It's something about the presence of God. Go back. How refreshing is it that I've made the Lord God my home? God, I'm telling the world what you do. Where are you right now? Are you in verse number one and two? You know God is good, but you need to just vent and get it off your chest. Are you in the middle of a situation where you're struggling to see God bring you through to the other side? And you may need one of the three or you may need all three. Comfort, clarity, or correction. But God wants to get you to verse number 28. 
that you experience his presence, that you're able to see that it's so great, that it's so well, that now you begin to participate and act upon the ministry of presence because you have a story, because you have a testimony, and that you're able to show just like Job that you can do all the right things. And sometimes things bad still happens to you, but God is good. Can I hear somebody say, God is good? All the time, God is good. God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good. Stand to your feet.